You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Happy Tuesday, everybody. A brand new segment debuting today on Peacock and Williamson. The two-minute warning. We will answer your questions. One per division. Two minutes per question. Hit every division in the NFL. And if you don't like team we covered in your division, and it can be a division-wide, it can be about a single player, it can be about a team, it can be about anything uh, in one certain division, but we want to make sure we cover the whole league here, Matt, and if you don't like the questions that were out there, hit us with your questions, right? At BD Peacock <laughs> on Twitter, at Williamson NFL, and of course, Matt, we have to get into these Monday night football games. Let's start with your Steelers against the New York Giants. The line was five and a half, and we said, you, you know what? It's not a big enough line. Don't trust those New York Giants. A lot of road teams winning, by the way, in week one. And it was this week as well on Monday night. The Pittsburgh Steelers beating the Giants 26-16. Yeah, um, Mike Tomlin's now 17-2 and on Monday night, which is just remarkable. And uh, it started slow. I mean, I'm going to tell you, tell you this through a Steeler perspective. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I kind of, when I previewed the game all week on my Steeler show, I thought, I could see the Steelers starting a little slow. Ben repeatedly said throughout the week that he was nervous. That's not his style. You know, he said something like, this is the most nervous I've been since the MAC championship game. Like, <laughs> you oh, don't boy. hear professional <laughs> players say that, even if they are nervous either. Right. It was 18th year in the league or whatever. So, um, and, and the offense was very disjointed and the defense allowed some plays, but then they settled in and, I give the Giants credit, though. I thought the Giants flashed some talent, some promise, especially Daniel Jones. I mean, the Steelers were coming after him and had massive advantages up front with the pass rush. And I thought he still delivered the ball quite well here and there. Guys like Engram look good. But the stat to know is Barkley's rushing line, which is like the worst since the merger and somebody that had 15 or more carries. And he's obviously awesome. But I said a lot going into this game. If the Steelers lose it, Barkley's going to be, you know, a fantasy stud. And maybe they'd miss a lot of tackles on a great back, but they didn't even let him get started. I mean, they were in the backfield again and again and again. And I thought the Steelers' offense played well. Uh, the Giants' defense is a little over undermanned. They, they have some problem areas. Uh, it took a little while, as I mentioned, but Juju had a nice day. Deontay Johnson turned things around after a rough start. And as usual, James Conner got hurt. Yeah, that was a tough one when you saw James Conner get hurt, and he didn't look right catching the ball. Like he, he it was just yeah you, you mentioned this disjointed and Roethlisberger's throws a little bit off early and then Connor couldn't corral some of them that were just a little bit off but hit his hands still and then um Benny Snell entered the game and it was like well who's James Connor right because <laughs> I was watching Benny yeah. Snell run and I was like man he's got a little bit more juice and I really liked him actually coming out of the draft in Kentucky and you know this is one of those especially with the Steelers and the way they play Throw the 40 timeout, 4-6-5 or whatever it was. Benny Snell was scooting a lot faster than that, and I don't know if 
maybe I saw online that some people said he was slimmed down and maybe a little quicker this year than he had been in the past, but Benny Snell looked great. Vision, balance, a little power, a little speed to scoot. 19 carries, 113 yards uh, was the star of the show for the Steelers in a lot of ways. Yeah, and what's funny is I didn't like Benny Snell coming out of college. I, I was on the air broadcasting the draft in the Steelers facility, kind of moaning and groaning like, eh, that's not too exciting. Yeah, like, oh, another and, plotting running back. <laughs> right, like, oh, great. You know, it's just kind of like everybody else, you know, and what's so great about him. But to your point, I mean, he really worked hard as a rookie in pass protection, in the passing game, and on special teams, things he didn't do much in college. And then, much like Lev Bell did when he was here, trimmed down like 15 pounds, supposedly. And so this was the first time I got to see him. There was no preseason. I couldn't go to practice. So he did look noticeably better. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say it's a Lev Bell rookie year to second year jump in terms of burst and whatnot, but it's not a bad idea. You know, you handle that kind of pounding at the college level when you are the whole offense you need that extra body weight and then you drop a little and realize the speed of the game so much faster up here. It, it's a good transition and maybe it works out for him. How high is Benny Snell on your waiver wire in fantasy leagues right now? Pretty high, but talk to me tomorrow. I'll get more Connor news in the next couple hours or so. I mean, but I got to, th- I mean, he might've earned like half the carries anyway, right? With how he looked and versus yeah. how Connor looked. I, I would assume if Connor's healthy, Benny Snell is going to be a big part of the offense because you can't just let that sit on the bench. Like he looked that good to me. I, I was going to ask you that as an, kind of an outsider. Would you even consider making Connor the backup or at least a 50 50? And Maybe. then you consider like Connor's never been the best passing down back in the world, right? So He's if, okay. if yeah. Snell can be that for you at least, or, you know, just a straight one, two, because they're, they're somewhat similar, you know, in, in, height, weight, speed, and some things like that. So um, I, I loved what I saw from Snell. Just a little bit of extra juice. It looked like some very fresh legs there. Um, yeah. I don't know what Connor would have looked like when they got deeper into the game. But, I mean, that the whole key to this one is just up front. The Steelers crushed the Giants. Like, that defensive front seven versus the Giants front was absurd. On the other side, Saquon Barkley finally got into the positive. He was negative most of the game on a per-carry average. 15 carries for six yards. I mean, that's domination. It's crazy, crazy. Yeah, I, I do think the Steeler defense is the best in the league. They, you know, they allowed some plays, and I thought Jones did some really good things too. But overall, they're going to be really hard to play against. Look, and you knew this was going to be a, a tough task for the Giants coming in. Uh, just, the Steelers were a better team on paper coming in. I don't know how Giants fans out there feel about their team. Hit us up at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. But I think you could still come away feeling okay if you're a Giants fan because you have the obvious... We, you're like, okay, let's fix the line, first of all, and maybe not play a defense that's as strong as the Steelers and things look look a little bit better. But even behind that line, like, Saquon couldn't get it going. But I was impressed with Daniel Jones. Like, not, like, blown away, yeah. but, you know, he handled his business. He can run a little bit. Uh, he still made plays. They tried to put the, the game on his shoulders, 41 pass attempts, and he didn't wilt or anything like that. It wasn't a, a great a game for him. Two touchdowns, two interceptions, 279 yards passing. But I was still impressed. You know, he he's... He can handle his business. It didn't look like too much for him. He wasn't overwhelmed as strong as that Steelers defense was. Right. I thought he made some nice throws, some nice plays, um, showed good poise, handled being under siege quite well, much better than he would have a year ago. I want to talk about Juju, but that's coming up later in the two-minute warning because we've got a question there about him, a little teaser. 
Uh, I do want to highlight one more player on the Giants offense and Darius Slayton, who uh, I talked about as a sleeper a lot this offseason, and he, he's legit. Like, Darius Slayton is a legitimate player. They found a nice little steal last year later in the draft. Six catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he's got speed. He's got everything you need. I don't know what was going on in Auburn there. Uh, well, I do know what was going on in Auburn there, which is which is part of the reason why he flew so far under the radar with the, how uh, athletic he is and uh, legitimate starting caliber and potentially... Uh, much more player, I think, for the Giants on offense there in Darius Slayton. I agree with you. And I liked him coming out. I didn't expect that he'd be this. You know, those Auburn guys, Stidham was part of that class too, were just kind of skewed to say the least. Um, and you're right. I mean, I read a lot of offseason team needs. Boy, the, the Giants need a wide out. And I even wrote some, and I didn't include wide out on the list. They have so many other needs this offseason. <laughs> And I got a lot of blowback. You know, what? Do you, why would you ignore wide receiver? I'm like, Shepard's a really good player. Tate's serviceable for now. And Slayton's to take the top off outside the numbers, long strider, but more than that guy. I, I think he's got a very bright future and is already an impact player. Another wide receiver with a very bright future on the Denver Broncos roster and a couple on the Tennessee Titans roster as well. I want to talk about some of these wide receivers coming up when we break down the Tennessee Titans at Denver Broncos from Monday Night Football. And then your questions, two-minute warning coming up. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays, and you can see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. So go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Tennessee Titans win week one in Denver. A little dicey for a while there for the Titans. 16-14 Titans over the Broncos, Matt. What's your, your first takeaway from that football game? Steven Goskowski. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what a roller coaster. I talk about that. I was yeah. going to go right, go right there, though. I mean, I was happy for him that he hit the game winner. He wasn't happy he hit the game winner. I mean, he was miserable looking, and I felt bad for him. And he's been one of the best kickers this generation, coming off hip surgery, old man now. But that was miserable. I mean, you know, in a tough game, the altitude certainly influenced the Titans, and drives would stall and settle for three and miss, miss extra point. Like, oh, man. And I'm not taking anything away from Denver, but I thought Tennessee was the better team. And it would have went a lot different if you could have got three on at least half of those occasions. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it's amazing because the altitude was definitely affecting the Titans early, which is, I mean, that's the Matt Williamson special. Bet on the, the Florida teams at home early in the season, Denver Broncos at home early in the season. And we saw that play out in Jacksonville and we saw it play out in Denver. And it was almost mm -hmm. enough to help the, the Denver Broncos win this game. Uh, some things, you know, hurt the Titans, obviously, with the kicking game. 
But I think that altitude or just being on the field a lot eventually, eventually finally wore down the Broncos. And especially on that last drive, you saw it. And it's amazing to watch the Titans offense operate because it's so different than most teams in the NFL. Derrick Henry gets 31 carries and there wasn't a lot of room there early in the game. But you have to give him the full load and he finally wore him down. And it was only 3.7 yards per carry on those 31 carries. But that ends up being 116 yards warmed down at the end of the game. That was all Derrick Henry on that last drive. And um, and it won the game for him. And it, it was pretty amazing to watch that happen. And there were so many times last year it was the same type of game script where eventually Derrick Henry is going to wear you down when you're tackling a dude who's 250 pounds all night long. Yeah, I mean, if you can allow the Titans to keep handing him the ball in a tight game late in the game, it doesn't matter what else goes on. You're in trouble. Um, I like that it looks like, and we heard rumors of this, and it makes perfect sense to me, they used him a little bit in the screen game. I mean, that's a huge fantasy nugget that if he's going to yes. catch even two or three passes a day, a game, that's oh. monstrous for him. That's huge. And 31 uh, carries. <laughs> along with 31 yeah. carries, right. And and that's as bad a night as he can have with 31 carries. You know what I mean? And like, they don't have a lot of options. Darrington, they only kept two running backs, right? I think they might have elevated somebody because Darrington Evans was hurt. But it was like, okay, here's our running back. Let's go. Right, right, right. No, you're 100% right. Um, and even... Um, Tannehill, I didn't think, had a monstrous game. A.J. Brown did a couple things, but he wasn't great. My guy, Jonu Smith, looked good here and there. And I was kind of happy for Corey Davis. I mean, I think we forget about Corey Davis. He was a good prospect, and he hasn't had, you know, like he had some weird things go against him. Like his rookie year, Pro Football Focus had him facing the toughest slate of corners in the league by far. You know, like, and Mariota throwing to him. Like, I'm not saying the guy's great, but don't forget about him. Making a jump from a smaller school too, and he had some yeah. injuries. And uh, I was I was really happy for Corey Davis because I was huge. I was a big Corey Davis fan uh, coming out of college, and I, I was I was surprised he went as high as he did. I thought I was higher on Corey Davis than everybody. Turns out John Robinson was even higher than I was. Drafted him number five overall, which surprised me. I thought he was a slam dunk first round pick, but um, and he looked great. He looked like the guy that I thought he was going to be last night in uh, in Denver. So yeah, hats off to Corey Davis and. Man, contract year, Corey Davis, you know, that's uh, something that, that could be pretty valuable for you. For the Titans, valuable for Corey Davis's pocketbook and val- valuable for your fantasy teams. Uh, A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown is so big. I almost wonder if A.J. Brown needs to start doing yoga like his buddy D.K. Metcalf. Like, those guys are yeah. so strong and are so good in the weight room. Like, add some flexibility. Don't turn into David Boston. Yes, yes, exactly. Add some flexibility. You're big enough and strong enough. Like, he's even bigger than he was last year. He was already a massive dude. Yeah, yeah, you're 100% right. Um, I was talking about the, the Broncos side, but you, it just kind of dawned on me when you mentioned Corey Davis on contract year. He's like the perfect guy to have a better second contract than first contract. Absolutely. And I wonder yeah. if the Titans at some point will be like, oh, man, maybe we should have picked up that fifth year option because they declined his fifth year option, if I'm not mistaken, which is why he's they going to be a free agent. They might regret that. They yeah. did. The Denver Broncos, uh, first thing is Jerry Judy. Like, he was my pick. We talked about it earlier this week or last week uh, about Jerry Judy who's my pick for offensive rookie of the year because I just think he's the he was the receiver that was most ready to come in and play the most and get open. I, I a lot of people in the draft process were like, yeah, well, I don't know, height, weight, speed. What's where? Where is he special? And it's his feet. His feet are watch him. special. Yeah. It is amazing to watch him get open already in his first NFL game. Now. You got to catch the ball, dude. I mean, it was killing me because that was the game. If he catches one or two of those drops. 
um, especially on that last drive, that might have sealed it for the Broncos. They might have gone down and scored, and that was, and that would, or at least played keep away from Titans, and that would have been the end of it. So a potentially game losing drop for Jerry Judy. You know, rookie mistakes. Uh, he ball skills was one of the minor knocks against him, but it wasn't like a problem for him. So uh, I expect him to bounce back from from the dropsies he had in that first game. But man, can that dude get open? Yes, one hundred percent. I agree with everything you said. I hit the over on Jerry Judy receiving yards the second I knew Cortland Sutton was out. So yay for me. That was a nice one there, too. And it could have been more. I'm not worried about the drops. Um, One of our one of the practice squad tweeted me last night. I think both of us. Are you worried about Jerry Judy's knees? Because nobody puts more torque on their lower body coming out of breaks than this guy. I mean, I think he meant it facetiously as a compliment. Like, yeah, I mean, he explodes out of his breaks. He's really, really good. Drew Locke, again, sort of like Daniel Jones, but maybe a little bit more arm talent. Like, I'm, I'm impressed by Drew Locke. I loved that. Like, he's, it's not too big for him at all. He's cruising out. And he's like, okay, no Cortland Sutton. Let's go win this game anyway. Uh, some of the throws he can make, too, which is where you really get excited because he can sling it. Yes, and I knew we were going to get to Locke, and I was thinking the same thing. Like, I kind of have the same feel I do about Daniel Jones in year two, that these guys look better. They look more comfortable. They look more poised. They look less frenetic in the pocket. Their timing's better. They understand where they're going with the football. So I think both those fan bases in Denver and New York should be pretty optimistic, you know, that what we've seen in year two is better than year one. And that's really all you can ask. I mean, we know the talent is there for both those players. And like you said, Locke has a cannon. Um, Last guy I want to mention too, and, I've been down on him. I'm, I have not been a Noah Fant guy, mm. but he's better than I thought. I mean, frankly, I think I'm just wrong on him. I thought he was kind of a straight line athlete, but he can bend better than I think. He's explosive. They get him in space with the ball in his hands against a linebacker and forget about it. And it's kind of okay because he's a tight end and not a wide receiver. So if you're a little mm-hmm. stiff as a tight end and you're as fast as Fant is, you're still more athletic than 99% of the tight ends out there. And it's going to be a problem for linebackers. Right. I mean, he still has the speed and they use him well where he's not running, you know, choppy routes, break down, sink your hips, come back to the quarterback, things like that. They're getting him on crossers and stuff like that, where they hit him in stride and he just opens it up and goes. I want to segue this into our two minute warning and let's start it up now. And Matt, we, we went a little bit long reviewing those games, so we might not be able to spend exactly two minutes on all these, but we'll try to get as many as possible and try to hit every division here with these Twitter questions. Let's start with the AFC South and the Tennessee Titans. Raimondo wants to know, do the Titans have too much riding on Ryan Tannehill? Maybe. I mean, it seems like a small thing, but would it have been a terrible idea to draft a Jake Fromm or a Jacob Eason or something like that just as a little bit of a uh, uh, an umbrella for you? Yeah, it's tough. And I think there you had to consider there's going to be some regression with the small sample of half a season that he started last year with the Titans, mm-hmm. but they saw him they saw him versus what was available on the open market, what they had before in Marcus Mariota, and they were like, this is our guy. Like He's a lot better than everything else, so let's re-up him. And obviously, look, caveat here with everything we've talked about, this is week one. Like this is, And right. you saw it early with the Steelers being disjointed, saw it with the 49ers. Yeah. Um, this was 
this was a quasi preseason game, I think, for a lot of teams, and things are going to look a lot different. So, uh, and Tannehill and wasn't Tannehill bad or anything like that, but I get it. Like Ryan Tannehill, like we've seen him for a while to put everything on him. I get why Raimondo would ask that question. Yeah, and what if we were wrong, you know, in a small sample size? Well, then you're in trouble, yeah. Let's go to the North. Lewis says, was it Antonio Brown or Big Ben? Or was last year an anomaly and Juju is just flat out good on his own? Juju is good. Um, AB was special and great. And Juju also played injured a lot last year um, and tried to fight through some things. So he has some blame. I, I think it was a little bit of a case of, oh, can he be the next AB? No. I mean, he's never going to be a top three or four type receiver, but I think he'll be perennially a top 10 to 15 type receiver, maybe top 20. Yeah, uh, it, it can be a little of both. You know, having right. a better quarterback is going to help you. Having a better receiver on the other side is going to help you, but that doesn't mean he's not a really good wide receiver and is, uh, you know, he's their number one guy. And we saw it last night. Like, Juju's good. I love Juju. Yeah, he is. And he's much better out of the slot, which is a big reason they took Claypool, too, is to get more outside help so Juju can always line up in the slot. All right, coming up, let's finish up the two-minute warning. We will hit the AFC West, East, and the entire NFC coming up. Peacock and Williamson. It's so important to take care of your vehicle, maintain, repair, and you can save a lot of money, too, with rockauto.com. Do you even know what kind of motor oil is in your car? Honestly, I had to look it up because I wanted to order some things from rockauto.com. I needed some jumper cables, like standard things. I thought I had jumper cables. I didn't. I needed some oil for my car. I didn't even know what kind of oil was in my newest car. You can save yourself a lot of money by doing things yourself. rockauto.com can help. And then spend that extra money on some more important things in your life, right? Like rent or your mortgage payment or the food and beverage spread while you're watching football. Why would you choose to spend 30%? 50%, even twice as much for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership. Just go to rockauto.com, a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything you need from engine control modules, if you happen to know what that is, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new interior carpet for your vehicle. Whether it's for your classic or a daily driver, they have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all parts for your car you will ever need. Go to rockauto.com right now, right in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us section so they know we sent you rockauto.com. To the AFC West, this one from Bapo. He said, Monday Night Football broadcast said, Denver is the first team in the modern era to draft a quarterback, a tight end, and three wide receivers in the top 50 over three drafts. Is the passing game set for the Broncos' next Super Bowl run? Okay, uh, Bapo, I'm going to start. Wow. I'm going to start here. Bapo, getting a little ahead of yourself with the end of that question and the Super Bowl run. Uh, let's pretend he said, "Is their passing game set for a while?" <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean. I think it's an aggressive Elway move, and it's a Chiefs-like move and an answer for what's going on in the division. Speed, 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 and I love Corton Sutton. We didn't get to see him. He's the best of all of them, in my opinion, although Judy's got a really high ceiling. I'm not sold on Locke. I mean, like two days ago, I had a lot of questions about him, and I feel a little better now, but that doesn't mean they're out of the woods. It's, I love what kind of faith that everybody 
in Denver had with Locke, too, which is important. So they're like, oh, we got our guy, right? And sometimes teams are wrong about that, but you hear people in the locker room talk about it, and and you see the faith that the team has in him, and I think that's really important. And then you see him come out on the field in week one, and you know some other teams and some other veteran players, 18-year veteran Ben Roethlisberger, looked a little bit shaky, and, and Locke didn't even have that. So that makes me feel really good about it. If I had to lean one way or the other, I think they got something there. Yeah, I don't know about the next Super Bowl run, but... <laughs> right. Locke, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, uh, that could be something. You throw in the explosiveness of K.J. Hamler, it could be a lot of fun, even if it's uh, not a Super Bowl roster. I agree. I agree. And the AFC East here from Joshua, how many Fitz tragic games before we see Tua? Do we see him before the Week 10 bye? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, even, yeah. if, even if Fitzpatrick was playing, like you, they would have to be running away with the division, be in first place and be like, okay, we can't screw up our, our playoff chemistry here. That would be the only way Tua's not playing before week 10. Uh, that's, it's just not going to happen, right? Uh, we're going to see Tua soon, probably week four or five, I would say. Four and a half. See, I was even thinking, who? I mean, I, I assume they play Sunday. I don't have the schedule in front of me. We may see a to a package, you know, here's a series of, you know, RPOs and stuff he did at Bama, you know, maybe this week or next, even just get not, not quite the Lamar rookie year package. Obviously he's not as special of an athlete like that, but let's get him in the game. It's not an easy schedule for the dolphins. And I like that angle, Matt, because I was just thinking starting, but yeah, just get him in, work him in, like start working in next week. They've got the bills next week. Uh, week three is the Jaguars. Maybe that's where you start working them in a little bit. Um, then the Seahawks and 49ers, it's a rough start. Maybe week six, Denver Broncos, you got Chargers, Rams. It's, it's not an easy schedule still, but it gets easier in the second half of the year. Maybe week six is what I would circle. So uh, that would be a good opportunity unless you just have to put them in there because Fitzpatrick's bad and he's ready to play earlier than that. Week six, I'm going to throw that out there. I mean, what if the Niners or Seahawks are cleaning your clock in what week four and five? I mean, put them in there in the fourth quarter and mop it up and at least, you know, get some snaps. I would caution. I mean, Seahawks, I scary, yes. Yeah. 49ers, just because of what the pass rush could be. Like, let's say the offensive sure. line's not doing work and the Niners could pin their ears back and go get the young guy. You don't want to put him in in that environment. Seahawks pass rush, not quite as good, but, you know, a good defense still, too. Um, that's why I, I circle week six. No Von Miller. That might be the week that, you know, okay, let's go. And and that'll give Fitzpatrick plenty of time to look bad against some of those tough opponents in the first five weeks. I think that's a great plan as you sit here in the middle of September. I bet he takes a snap before that in some capacity. I forgot, Matt. We're supposed to keep these under two minutes, and uh, we, oh, we have yeah, not, we're not, <laughs> we did not that time. That's okay. Uh, let's get to the <laughs> NFC here. This from Javier in the NFC West and my San Francisco 49ers is Jimmy G. The guy. I want to hear your outsider's perspective first, Matt. I lean towards yes. Um, I like your point about this being the full season in the Shanahan offense. Matt Ryan's a great example. I like Jimmy's makeup. I like his release. I think I hate the term, oh, he's a winner. But I do think he certainly has some of that. Um, I don't know that he has a super high ceiling, though. I mean, I, I, right now, I think he's kind of on the Kirk Cousins tier, which sounds bad, but doesn't mean to be. I think he's not the next Drew Brees, but I think he could be a tier above that. No, nope, so, yeah, where he's yeah. at now. That's all fair. Um, it, it's pretty simple for me. Week one, he was off. I mean, he was missing receivers. Yeah, yeah. It, it just didn't look right. 
But as I mentioned, count week one of this NFL season as a preseason game. You see the 49ers against the New York Jets week two. That's going to be a different game script. That's going to be a different story. Uh, talk to me then, and, and we'll see how we feel about some of these players. So uh, Jimmy G, I, I expect him to be better than he was last year. Started off with one of his worst games, actually, in week one. Just something definitely wasn't right there. He, he, he was just misfiring. But I uh, still believe Jimmy G is the guy. And I'm with you. You know, the Kirk Cousins tier may be a little better than Kirk Cousins, potentially. But Kyle Shanahan loves Kirk Cousins more than any quarterback on the planet. So, you know, maybe that's okay for the 49ers if he's only Kirk Cousins tier. Right, right. And the way that team's made up with scheme and defense, I don't think you need Russell Wilson necessarily to be a highly successful team. And we saw that last year. And I do expect Jimmy to have a better season this year than he had last year. And he wasn't bad last year. Let's keep it moving to the NFC North. Joshua says Devontae Adams has 14 catches for 156 yards and two touchdowns this week. What's it going to take for you to consider him in the tier of receivers with Hopkins and Julio, as a reminder, you said you'd rather have Beckham, Diggs, Galladay, and Robinson than him earlier this year. I love that Joshua's keeping score on that, too, and keeping yeah. us honest here. Uh, he's in the tier, right? He has to be. Like, did, did we mess something up by not putting him in a tier? Like, uh, If we're drafting wide receivers today, I'm taking him over Beckham, taking him over Diggs, I'm taking him over Galladay, I'm taking Adams over Robinson. Now, maybe he's in a tier between Julio and Hopkins, but uh, he's closer to the Hopkins Julio tier than anything else. And maybe he's the top, maybe he's the top top. Yeah. And I think I have sold him short over the years because I, as many do, I think you can fall into the trap that size and speed are two of the most important attributes for wide receivers. Mm -hmm. And they just aren't, you know I mean? You don't need to be big and fast. I mean, size is actually more important and I think Adams is the best route runner in the league and is a terrific player with an all-around game but doesn't have that one thing that just blows you away like Tyreek Speed or something like that, you know, with the one trait. But it really is his route running. So if I'm ranking him in the fantasy world, I'd probably only take Michael Thomas over him. And maybe even Adams would be number one. If I had him ranked in the real world, I would say he's right there with Thomas and I'd, I'd still probably have Tyreek and Julio ahead of him for all the reasons I just said the opposite because they're freaky. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Like yeah. there still is a freak factor with Julio and Tyreek, but Thomas and Adams to me are very similar. That's a great point because you get a Hall of Fame quarterback and you're so far and away the number one option that it's going to skew the numbers as good as those mm -hmm. wide receivers are too. So you put Adams or you put Michael Thomas in a different offense and how the numbers look and how would we feel about him? It's a good question. It's hard to really separate those things sometimes. Uh, we got to keep it going it's to the player. NFC East. Cliffy D is, does Washington have the best defensive line in the NFL? And do, do the New York Giants have the worst offensive line in the NFL? I'm going to say no on the Giants. I think they were just under siege and we have a bad taste in our mouth and Thomas will get better and they have good guards because there's some bad ones out there. I mean, I still think Miami's is worse and there'll be several worse ones, I think. Who Washington might be number one. I mean, I guess it depends exactly what you call D lines. Like I'm going to call TJ Watt and Bud Dupree D linemen. Yeah. To me, they're no different than Nick Bosa and D Ford, you know, and or Bosa and Ingram. You know, I'm just talking about guys that line up up front. I think Washington's is and will be in the conversation. You forget about Ryan Kerrigan. He's great. He's had an amazing career and sweat. And I think Allen and especially Payne 
the Bama D tackles are two of the most underrated players in the league and are already great players. You know, I'm not seeing any NFC South questions that I like here. So you guys have got to come stronger in the South. So even though the rules are it's a two-minute warning, we're supposed to hit every division, I'm going to skip it. Uh, you got to come stronger NFC South. Give us some better questions next week. So we're going to double dip in the AFC West with Tom, who said, will the Chargers regret not signing Cam and drafting an offensive tackle or receiver by the end of the year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I said that a million times on these airwaves that they had the perfect perfect situation to – grab cam or even Winston on the cheap, you know, and that's not a knock on Tyrod and they could have taken Makai Becton, you know, like that would have been pretty nice mm-hmm. <laughs> and really built something there or Jerry Judy or CD lamb or somebody like that too. And wow. And really made a run. Uh, that's the way I would have handled it this off season. I'm going to stick by that. I think Anthony Lynn's an okay head coach, but I think he wants to play conservative and he wants to play small ball. And it's okay when you're playing the Bengals. It's not when you're playing the Chiefs. That's a tough question because it's so short-sighted. You want to go win now. How much better would Cam be than Tyrod? And we don't know what Justin Herbert's going to be. If Herbert's the guy, then that's the best pick no matter what, 100 times out of 100, right? So that's a question we can't answer for three more years probably. True. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. Uh, but I know where I stood on this when the draft rolled around. And yeah. part of it's because I'm not the biggest Herbert believer, and right. I am a big Cam believer, and I like this roster a lot. And, you know, Derwin James was part of it back then, obviously, too. But um, I think the Chargers would be a pretty darn good football team with Cam Newton and Mackay Becton. Yeah, if you're trying to win this year, then, Tom, I yeah, I agree. that That would have been the better way to play this. Kind of trying to play both sides, right? The Chargers try to be good now and continue to be good later. And sometimes it's difficult. No, it definitely is. And that doesn't mean they couldn't have drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round and, you know, make him a cam clone. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You're right. All right. We're we're out of time here, Matt. Good stuff. That was fun. I like the two minute warning. We're gonna be doing that every Tuesday. Hit us with your questions. You don't have to wait for us to to ask for them on Twitter. You can hit us any time of the week at BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL. We'll be back tomorrow, uh, breaking down everything going on in the league. There will be a lot of injury reports in the NFL Wednesday and our Stock Up, Stock Down segment. Another brand new segment right here, Peacock and Williamson.